What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Picture Book Look Podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirsty Call. Together we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf. We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible. As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams. Kirsty can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit kirstencall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be. Hey, Kirsty. Hey, Kim. Do you think there's such a thing as too many lollipops? Impossible. That's totally impossible. Totally. Totally impossible. Lollipop, lollipop, lolly, lollipop, 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 lolly, lollipop. I think this is the part where that popping sound comes in, but I I can't actually make that popping sound. Yeah, me neither. It's okay because we actually have to get started with our interview. We're super excited to talk to Megan Maynor and Micah Player about Not Enough Lollipops. Let's get started. Pop. Megan, where did you get the idea for this story? This story, I honestly, I was thinking about the idea of enough and um, how we're sometimes worried when we think there's not enough of something. As you guys know, you all make books. Sometimes you can start with character or setting or plot first. So it's kind of goofy or more unusual maybe to start with theme, but this really was kind of what happened with this book. So I was thinking of that idea, like how could I tell a story that had to do with having enough or worrying that you don't have enough. So, and then from there I had to just kind of figure out what is it and um, eventually got to this story. At one point, I think I told Micah this before, it was all over the place. At one point it was like, maybe there's two towns and they each get donuts every day. And one town yeah, shares them yeah. like this in this really well, orderly fashion. More, more. Like, it's all chaotic. <laughs> yeah. So eventually we got to this story, but that was sort of the starting point. I really love this theme. It's important as adults too, you know, to not have a scarcity mindset. Absolutely. To just have this abundance. And the story does such a good job of kind of helping kids and adults 
understand there's always enough love. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. I, it was it was interesting and funny too, because as we were editing it, I think you were probably already working on it, Micah, but I, it was sold. It was acquired before the pandemic, but somewhere in the editing process, you know, people were like clearing out stores of all the toilet paper. So it became like prescient in a different way. <laughs> oh my gosh. Relevant. It's a relevant topic. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Those images will be forever seared in our memory of empty shelves, missing toilet it's paper. Just how, how worked up we all got over toilet paper, right? Like how, yeah. like right? I've never been so excited to like find a bag of Charmin <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, it was something. It was a moment. It was surreal. I mean, really surreal. It really was. And so how did you get from two towns and donuts to lollipops? Okay. So clearly the food was always a part of it. Um, I'm not sure <laughs> always exactly. A good idea. Yeah. The exact path, but um, I, I definitely was thinking like this would be lollipops would be so colorful and fun, you know, to eventually have illustrated who knows exactly, you know, how the pieces slide into place. But uh, my kids elementary school, they always had a raffle as one of the fundraisers and it was like over the top. So I was picturing this like big raffle scene. It really did kind of look like what Micah ended up uh, drawing in that opening scene with like all the kids are like freaking out. So that piece (laughs) kind of probably came from that experience. I mean, it just seemed like lollipops would be a great, a great thing to have all the kids really excited about and, and would be beautiful to look at as well. Definitely. Absolutely. So (laughs) Micah, what was it about the project that made you want to say yes to working on it? Well, it was a lot of what uh, Megan just said. It just by the time I got the manuscript, obviously it was more or less fully formed, as usual, for an illustrator. And so the the idea was really firmly rooted. This idea of like you don't have to stress out. There's going to be enough for everybody. People can people can win, and you can win too. It doesn't. You don't have to feel like when someone wins something that that you're losing. Which I think in the midst of especially kind of like as, because the pandemic really was just starting up. Like, and I'm sure this is probably a theme. Everybody that you talk about making books during this time, right? It's almost like, here comes the part where they go, and things were getting weird. You know, it's like, <laughs> so true. It's, it's like, they were? Really? You know? But like, um, but so like reading that, reading, reading what um, Megan had put down. And it was, again, like for me as an illustrator, I love, I love the precision of kids book writers. Like, I feel like there's something really special about how, um, about how a great kids book author and I, I, Megan is a great kids book author. She's able to sort of like write with precision, you know what I mean? And so because of that, like I knew immediately reading through it, that this is kind of, this is a secret message to kids. It's kind of like, it's kind of going under the, the radar, but it really, in the end, it's a little bit of a, a calming, it's a really fun story that calms you down, which is kind of a cool combination, right? Like it's a fun story about all the crazy stuff happening in the school. But in the end, what you take away from it is that um, just chill out, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be fine. And so that really, that drew me to it. And then of course, like she said, lollipops. I mean, immediately I was like, oh, this will be really fun to kind of figure out the palette. And maybe right from the beginning, it was kind of like a thought when I was speaking with Nicole, 
Um, of course, this is after taking the job, talking to the art director. There was right away, it was like, oh, it would be so cool to sort of tie the palette of the whole book to the basket of lollipops. And so that was a fun project. I love the rainbow colors. They make me so happy. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? It's, such a beautiful it's so book. beautiful. Yes. It so, really is. Megan, we yeah. love how authentic this story feels. I think anyone who reads the book can totally picture this actually happening at an elementary school where the kids are like, I know your birthday, or I, you know, I like to sit by, we sit by each other on the bus, or, you know, <laughs> it's so true to life. So, can you give us a look into your writing process for this story? I'm glad it rings true. I feel like one part of the writing process was I had, I had heaps of ideas for like, all the different contingencies who could be lobbying, you know, and what they said, like yeah. the soccer team was making a, a pitch at one point and like, you know, the best, like the best, best friends were like, if we keep it for ourselves, you know, we can each have one a day for the rest of the year, you know, but we had, it, there's, there's only so many pages, so it had to be cut down. Um, but I think part of, yeah, part of the, the writing process of this, that part was really fun because there were tons of possibilities for for yeah, angles that people could be pitching Alice. I think even maybe before that, I, when I, I had the raffle and I had her getting her basket of lollipops, I had her taking it home and eating as many as she could (laughs) (laughs) and having a stomach ache. And there was a little brother, um, who she talked to and that, uh, I shared the story at that stage with my picture book critique group who are wonderful and, and helped me in so many ways. And somebody uh, pointed out like, maybe she needs to stay at school. And I think that was a really good um, critique question or, or point because it like keep the stage a little smaller, keep the cast a little, we don't really need a brother. And the, that conversation she was having with her brother at that point in the, at that revision, you know, becomes that conversation she has on the playground. So just kind of keeping it in a smaller universe, which is already a really big populated universe. Yes. That was enough. (laughs) Did you try out or brainstorm different solutions or was this the first? Yeah, I did. And um, our editor, Kelly Delaney, who was wonderful, um, uh, helped me with this too, because I think at first it worked out just perfectly. There were just the right number of lollipops. And we we're like, well, that's probably not realistic. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's pretty magical. Um, so that was one thing we changed at the ending. And it, so it ends with the sort of, here we go again, um, mm-hmm. ending. But also, as I've been able to share the story just a little bit now with kids, like it's fun to ask them, like, what should she do? What should she get with the extras? What's she going to do? So that gives them a chance to kind of think through it um, and, and interact with the story a little bit more too. I love that. And those are, those are the, yeah, the best kind of endings that are a new, like a beginning almost to a new story. Right? I'm a fan. That's I exactly kind of love how that. you ended it. I get kids thinking about what would they do if they were mm-hmm. in that situation. If they had something to share, would they choose to share it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, something that could possibly be shared. Yeah, I love it. Yes, yes. <laughs> do you have a specific like writing schedule or any helpful writing tips? I'll go with writing tips. My schedule's kind of boring. Each weekday, I try to do some writing. <laughs> That's it. Perfect. That's, That's good. On that. I like um, it. But I think since I imagine this is primarily picture book writers and illustrators who are listening to this, I think my writing tip would be, we learned kind of early on as picture book writers, this, this rule of leave room for the illustrator. And I think that can be kind of hard for people at first. Like maybe they feel a little 
worried or like this is some kind of like loss of control or maybe like kind of mad about it. But I think like to really <laughs> like lean into that and enthusiastically leave room for the illustrator if you can is is just is just great because and it's a goofy partnership because as we're writing we don't probably know who it's going to be we might not meet them till the end of the book or ever but to still like lean into that partnership and as much as possible kind of make a little playground that somebody else might like to come in and 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 play in and build out the rest of this realm and and leave little spots where you are kind of teeing it up for somebody else to knock it out of the park. I love that metaphor of a playground. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? <laughs> well, um, did you enjoy the like, playground? I did not find that. Great. Well, I mean, it is, it is, it is like, I mean, part of that question, right. About like what's attractive about a good manuscript is sort of like a, a difficult manuscript feels kind of tedious to start trying to imagine how you're going to fit things and how you're going to sort of like pace things. And I think what, um, you know, what Megan said is really like, uh, like resonates with me because in the end, like, I think there's a big trend right now. I don't know if, if you guys have heard this and I'm trying to remember who said it first, but it's kind of gone into the idea that like writers or a picture book author is like, is like a composer. And then like the, the illustrator is like a performer, right? So it's like, you're getting the, sh- the sheet music in the manuscript and now you're kind of like building it out. And for me, I come from, Originally, I come from um, like product design and kind of apparel illustration. So we would do sort of like story long or season long stories for releases, right? Where we would go, okay, cool. So what's gonna, what's happening right now? And so it was, it's a lot of the same stuff. We would talk to the merchandisers. We'd talk to the sort of like accessory designers and try to figure out, okay, how do we sort of play inside, play with the tools that they're giving us as far as like what they want to convey for the season, and so I think I still kind of approach things that way when I look at a story. I kind of think, okay, well, what is that? What's the energy here? How can I kind of bring that out in the way the characters act? And then casting is like the funnest part. Okay, so what does Alice look like, you know? And sometimes it's really a long process. Like you sort of like labor over it and labor over it. I think like with my first book ever, I remember like I, it was called Chloe instead. And I did this, I, the initial drawing of the little sister, like looked like a goblin. Like she was like the most like, <laughs> and it was on purpose. Like I want her to be like this, like really obtrusive, <laughs> like, like um, presence in her sister's life. So I was going to make her look real weird. And so I sent it to the art director. She's like, this is horrifying, you know? And so we had to go back and forth. She's like, make, make her cute. So I sent it back and like, try to like, and like made her like too cute. And then we arrived at kind of this place in the middle and with Alice it was like it was like it happened really fast it was kind of like I I knew this girl like there was something about who she was where she's like she felt she was generous but she also was a real kid who wanted some lollipops and like was not really going to be sort of like a a sacrificial lamb and just give everybody all the lollipops. Like she was going to be. And so I, so, and, and again, like, so that was sort of, it was, it, I guess to briefly, more briefly answer the question. It was really fun because the school was populated with so many different kids and each little vignette of dialogue was so specific, right? Like you knew the kid that was going to complain that like, that like the, there's, like the first kid who says, who says like, there's not enough, you know? And it was like this, <laughs> it was, it was, it was so fun to kind of, realize that that has to be the kid 
who can't even eat lollipops, right? Like that's got it. The kid, so, that, so it's one of the Easter eggs in the book is that the kid who freaks out has braces, so he can't actually eat lollipops. So he realizes, like, oh, I guess, I guess I can't eat lollipops. And, you know, as we know, most of the people who cause the most drama in our lives, like, don't really have any skin in the game. They just really want to get excited and then they're out. Well, and the one who only wants to eat croutons, he's <laughs> yeah, like, wait a minute, things. I don't even like lollipops. <laughs> I love that that's the treat that makes comes up with this, like, croutons. <laughs> Megan, where did that come from? Where was the crouton? I don't know if this happens in any of your houses, but I honestly can't keep a bag of croutons around here because the kids eat them. The kids eat them as a snack. I'll buy them. I was like, I was actually going to make a salad. Too bad. They're gone. <laughs> and I kind of remember doing that actually as a kid. They're delicious. They are delicious. They are delicious. <laughs> and I, and I, but I love that it's, it's, like, not something that the other kids are going to clamor for, where they're like, they're like, well, I guess I'll just just me and my croutons. It's not like is that like Doritos or? Have <laughs> <laughs> your croutons. There you go. I was just thinking about we're gonna do like a little local live event here. Just before this, I was like, okay, I should do a little drawing that would fit with the book, and maybe I'll give away some lollipops. I was like, I should give away a bag of croutons. <laughs> you definitely should. That yes, needs totally. to happen. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Micah, we've been talking about the art and... It's. I feel like you've made some really cool artistic decisions here in the book with, you know, a lot of the backgrounds are kind of minimal. The focus is really on the kids. The way you colored in Alice versus, you know, the other kids in the story. I, I'm fascinated by all of those decisions because they seem so smart and, and clever. And I'm just wondering if you could kind of give us a little bit about your decisions, uh, your thought process behind your decisions there. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I, I think for one thing, like, again, it's, it's having a really great art director who um, is fun to collaborate with because, because you end up, as you know, you know, for the, for the author, they're going to, their real sort of like teammate is the editor, you know, and, and the editor kind of runs the show in a lot of ways, but the art director I think is one of the true like unsung heroes of picture books are like picture book designers because mm. picture book design can make or break like a book, like the, the sort of temperament of the director, the, te- the sort of the willingness to sort of to collaborate, but also to push and to be, be curious. So, you know, I mentioned Nicole a lot when I talk about this book because she was really fun to work with. And, and one of the things about that was, um, the, the pieces of my art that she picked to kind of get the ball rolling. Cause a lot of the time when you start a job, the director will kind of go through and find a bunch of stuff that you've done in the past and kind of go like, I kind of feel like this is sort of the universe that we'd like to, to delve into and maybe not so much this, maybe more this. And so there's that kind of initial conversation. 
And for her, what she sent over was really kind of surprising. It was like all these kind of like very simple drawings from Instagram, you know, because I, I have a pretty active Instagram page where I just like, I use it kind of like a journal and I'll just r- draw what I'm thinking about for the um, the given sort of moment in time during the, the awkward period that we spoke of, you know, of <laughs> earlier, the time that shall not be again <laughs> mentioned. Um, that long period, like it was kind of a connection to other people to, to put out a bunch of art. A lot of it was sort of drifting into sort of political ramblings and just like just really personal stuff. And she um, she gravitated towards some of that stuff. And so I was like, oh, this is so cool because I've never done anything in a book that's really linear, like in a picture book. Most of my picture books tend to be sort of shape driven. They don't have a lot of line work. They have shapes with details over the top. And then all of my sort of favorite illustrations and illustration styles and illustrators are sort of mid-century illustrators are all sort of like my heroes. I think they're heroes for a lot of sort of modern illustrators. And so you have that kind of like Mary Blair is very much kind of like a person that I've I've like loved since I was a little kid. And so a lot of my work for the last, you know, several years has kind of like gotten into a lot of sort of like that kind of acrylic shapes with details on top. Um, but there's another whole other world of mid-century art that I love, which is the sort of like two-color book, right? So you have like a, a book where the lines are all in, in one tone and then the colors are just sort of like, it was really inexpensive to just have as many different sort of shades of one color. If the lollipops are thematically going to bind the book together palette-wise, then maybe we could do something that feels like a two-color book, but you have millions of colors. You know what I mean? So it's like, right. it's like if you could choose a different second color um, or a different um, limited color palette on every page. And so that was kind of the early kind of like um, sort of first thoughts. And then you always want to separate, right? Like you always want to have a sense of like what's important versus, versus what's less important. And um, the best way... F- that sort of came into focus to do that in this book was there's only two characters in the whole book who have like dark black line work. Right. And that's Alice. And then um, the sort of like complainer with the braces, like the adversary. <laughs> I, I, I sort of, <laughs> I sort of called that kid, that kid's going to, that gives the bad guy of the book. Right. And so like, so because they were the two, <laughs> They were the two sort of like most important characters. And the, and the second one's kind of like secretly important, but like that's the clue that he's important <laughs> is that he has, he has black line work. And that's just to like, so the most contrast is given to the protagonist and the antagonist. And then everything else is, is in tones of color. And you get the sense that like Alice is like a cool kid. So she would care, but she's, very, she's super empathetic. She really does care about other people. I, yeah. This is the thing about Alice is she's empathetic, but she's nobody's sucker. <laughs> Ooh, I love the pun. <laughs> yeah, and that, that was was mildly unintentional, but like, but she has like, um, I'll take it. But she she has like no, she doesn't suffer fools, right? And that's the best thing about Alice. Like, she's such a cool like um, like role model in some ways for a kid because good things are going to happen to you and you're going to have to know how, so his bad things will too. Right. And so there's other books that are all about how to deal with something bad happening to you. Not enough life is, is how do you deal with something good happening to you? You know what I mean? Like, like yes. how do you, how do you have some graciousness? How do you like accept the good thing and then also be generous to people around you, but realize that some people are going to sort of like million dollar baby you and try to like <laughs> come up like, I'll see some lollipops. Let's go to Disneyland. You know, like there's something about it. 
It's complex. Somehow the two of you have distilled this really complex concept into a book about lollipops that will not only make people laugh, but also evoke discussion. We actually have one last question for both of you. And we're going to start with you, Micah. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? I hope that they feel a connection to Alice. I hope that they feel like they can be Alice, that they can look forward to a moment in their life when something cool happens and they have an opportunity to either share it um, or kind of hoard it, but then also to remember that they they still deserve it. Definitely. Definitely. Megan, same question for you. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? One thing I love about picture books is that I think aside from, you know, the like learning to use the potty uh, genre, (laughs) most picture (laughs) books honestly have their, their four children, but the themes are still relevant to adults. And I think that's true in this, in this book. I think it's a really human feeling to worry about whether there's enough for you. So I don't think it's bad to feel that feeling. I hope that maybe this book illustrates like there are different ways to handle that. And maybe with experience, as we get a little older, you know, you, you maybe feel one way or another, depending how you, how you dealt with that feeling, that very normal human feeling of worry um, when it comes. So, and maybe also um, kids will take away sometimes there is enough. A big thank you to Megan and Micah for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for Not Enough Lollipops. Check out the show notes to learn more about Megan and Micah and their other fabulous work. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you won't miss an episode, and we would love it if you would leave a review. Thanks for listening, and happy Happy looking! Picture Book Look is produced by Kirsty Call and Kim Chafee. Music by James Call.